This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Another one. Best. I'm out. Uh, Cause you're like, oh yeah, you're the fucking beaver. Uh, you're like coob, but worse. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. <laughs> you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. Hey everybody, this is Derek Johnson along with my two co-hosts, Joey Dangerously and Willie Doog. Uh, spring football enters its final week for the University of Washington, uh, and quarterback Dylan Morris is trying to put the dreadful 2021 season behind him and focus on the future. Uh, we've got wide receivers that are looking good in practice and uh, giving fans some optimism. Uh, we've got Sam Heward who is struggling during camp, and we'll talk about my hunch that he will eventually hit the portal and wind up at some place like Utah State or Northern Iowa. Uh, Ruth Robbins bowing out and retiring, and we'll discuss the legacy of Real Dog. But to get things kicked off today, uh, I wanted to mention the recent Christian Capel article in The Athletic. It posed the question as to whether or not Washington can be competitive in this new NIL landscape. I know that Road Dog uh, doesn't want to hear it, but we will spend a few minutes on it. The Jen Cohen was interviewed for it, the Washington Athletic Director, and she really gave a janky answer to one of the questions where she turned her nose up at the teams that are actively paying players to play for their teams, and she gave a real Thurston Howell the third type of response. Uh, it really gave the impression that Washington is in deep trouble and doomed to fall further behind the unwashed masses like Oregon, USC, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, et cetera. Uh, Wooly, we'll start with you this week. What was your reaction to that article and this general concept that uh, Washington is uh, is just not only shooting itself in the foot, but it's basically taking a rusty hacksaw and cutting its foot off? Yeah, it's not good. I think it confirms a lot of things that I think I and I know other fans feared that, you know, I think it's almost worse than I, than I feared. I mean, I kind of thought maybe, you know, they're going to be willing to compete in some level, but they just, you know, they don't have the level of funding to say like Phil Knight or someone like that. But it seems like they're not even willing to try, which is just really astonishing. And I don't know what their, unless their plan is that, you know, everyone else is going to get busted for, for running the NIL this way. Then, you know, everyone's going to get sanctioned. Or then Washington and, you know, a few other schools like that are going to be sitting back laughing because they didn't get, they didn't, they did it the right way. But uh, unless that's the case, it's just it seems like a surrender, and it seems like dying on a hill of uh, just a hill of you know the stuff that's killed the program already of just uh, arrogance of nothing that has nothing to do with sports. So it, it, I think it's just it makes things worse than I thought they even were. And there's there's a point where we can be so far gone that it's there's no coming back from it. Uh, would you agree? I mean, I'm worried we're almost already there. Uh, it was recruiting. It, it, it seems like it. I mean, it just seems like, 
you know, what you hear in some of the circles of people saying that, like, guys, players just say, what's your NIL situation? And that's, you know, the start and end of it. And Washington's Washington's conversation is, uh, not really. Maybe we'll give you, like, you'll end up with $6,000 split between a bunch of other people and you'll uh, put it in a 401k. And that, that seems like that's going to be the case. And these 18-year-old kids and their families aren't going to, you know, that's not that's not going to – that's not going to get them to sign on the dotted line or even, I think, really even seriously consider Washington in any time in the near future. It seems like their whole entire strategy now is going to be completely development. Of completely, de- That's their only hope now is that, you know, that they can just develop players that, you know, no one else, even the Pac-12 really wants. And maybe some, a few local guys who just really feel like they want to stay home. And that that's all I got until proven otherwise. It- and, and Joey, what are your thoughts? Uh, we're just slowly burying our our program. Bad comments, bad uh, you know, bad pub for your own brand. Just basically admitting defeat. And I mean, I feel like we got we got a good we got a good coach and a good staff and. Um, Sometimes I wonder if his comments are just based on him not wanting to poke the bear and piss her off because, you know. I get that impression I, too. Yeah, I wonder if he. I wonder if he thinks like you know, God, we're, you know, we're really shooting the ourselves board. in the foot here. Yeah, and uh, I wonder if he thinks you know, okay, well, this staff's gonna have to work, you know, extra hard to. Uh, uh, coach the shit out of these kids, and we're going to spend less time at home because we're not making these NIL deals. So we're going to have to do it based on based on wins and effort and things like that. So I'll even say a thought that I had recently, and you and I haven't communicated about this at all until right now. Um, um, but I'm almost, I've almost wondered recently, like, if DeBoer is even thinking amongst himself or when he's talking with Ryan Grubb or something, the offensive coordinator, and he's just saying, you know what, this place is so fucked up. Let's get to 10 wins, and then let's, let's uh, parlay this to another job somewhere in the Big Ten or something. Well, Before this- yeah, I mean, Ryan Grubb, he could be – I every – Every interview I listen to that guy, he's, you know, um, he's pretty open. He talks. It doesn't sound like bullshitty coach speak, even though, you know, a lot of it is coach speak. (laughs) It doesn't (laughs) sound like a bunch of cliche shit. Um, Yeah, I'm uh, I'm turned into a fan of uh, Ryan Grubb. uh, But, you know, Mm -hmm. like he could he could parlay a good. You know, he can parlay a good year, um, even this year. Uh, he could parlay it into a into a pretty decent job somewhere, you know, Mountain West or, you know, sure. Mac or or something. I mean, he he can he can get a decent job out of it. So that's why I, I posted think, the other day that I wanted to see Washington put up sixty on Kent State. To open the season, and then Greenblug chimed in and said, "Is that points or yards?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
the offense so, is going to be the offense is going to be pretty decent out of the gate. It's not going to be good. It's not, I don't think it's going to be clicking uh, at a high level, but it's it's going to be it's going to be decent. So I, I don't I, I don't think the offense is what we got to worry about. I'm I'm worried about the defense. I'm really worried about the defense. <laughs> So, so Willard, do you got any thoughts? Yeah, I uh it just feels from like the airport? Kind of, from the airport <laughs> from the St. Louis airport. Uh yeah, I think what Well I thought you were in Reno. I wish. I Shout wish. out to Purple uh, Bees. Okay. Yeah, I would love to be flying to, I'd love to have that flight right now, not a four hour flight. Uh yeah, no, I think uh it, it kinda goes back to one of those things I was talking about earl uh in an earlier uh, episode before of like stuff you can't say at a regular job but like you can apparently get away with with jobs that everyone wants that are super high pressure and high pain like uh, with, with these situations of making these weird excuses and basically conceding defeat before the game even starts uh, like you can't you, you can do that like at your regular job and just be like well you know what like uh, that other company they they're going to do things the way that they're allowed to, and we're doing it our way, and we're not going to succeed, basically. If we don't, who cares? Like, so you can't you can't, you can't say that in a meeting at your own job and not get serious uh, stress. And if you have a really high position, like, you know, have your job possibly threatened. But apparently at Washington Athletics, you know, you can just uh, – you can just concede defeat on anything and just take, take a moral high ground that no one uh, – that no one cares about. So I, I, I don't see it turning around. I think the, the the big hope is almost that like, kind of like I was saying earlier that the NCAA steps in and is like, look, you can't make these deals that are clearly that are just like, you know, pay for play as opposed to uh, like, you know, take, take Oregon and be like, yeah, you can pay Josh Conley a bunch of money, but you better be putting him in Nike commercials or, you know, USC, like you, it's not just always, you know, using Oregon as the bad guy example over USC. Like if you're paying this guy, he has to be in some business commercial or some sort of thing. It can't just be a payment. That's the only hope maybe. Well, it doesn't seem like Emmer wants to take a hands-on approach to this because you just don't hear about him in the news doing anything or commenting on it or showing concern or anything. <clears throat> I was going to yeah, ask I, this. Yeah. I was going to bring this up. Is Mark Emmert the worst NCAA president ever? I mean, I don't, I don't know who to compare him against. By far, <laughs> I, I, I feel like Miles. I feel like Miles Brand wasn't Miles Brand the one before him. I think so. Yeah, like he, he was, there he for was like visible. He was visible, and it seemed. Uh, I don't know. It seemed stable. Uh, yeah, I don't. I feel like every time there's some sort of uh, violation going on, it's just kind of allowed, you know, the school, oh, the schools inducted their own investigation and uh, they've, uh, they've slapped their own uh, violations on themselves. You know, it's just like, oh, okay. You know, if you had a real, uh, real organization with a real, um, a real fucking hammer to lay down, They'd be like, oh no 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 no, we're not no no no, you're not doing your own violations. 
like, you're stealing from the company. You're not. You're not just uh, going to take a day off work. Like, no, you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I think once the the public sentiment and the media, mostly the media sentiment and social media, turned against you know the model of NCAA and these kids are getting ripped off, they just. They they gave up and laid down and said, okay, whatever, like, let's get them paid, which I've always stayed by. I'm like, I'm not against the guys getting paid, but the, the clusterfuck of what it is right now is just, it's not sustainable. It's not going to work, and we're just going to end up with nothing, or, like, college football is going to be like college baseball, and no one's going to care uh, because it's... Oh, yeah, wow, I, what I think, a great analogy. I think, just, yeah, I think once... Emmer and the NCA wants to, you know, the, our wonderful media was not just decided that, you know, they were the bad guy and they were fucking over these kids who were getting a complex, a flawed, but co- flawed and complex deal. Then they just all, they just quit and we're basically like, whatever. So let's just let, you know, uh, let's just let this, whatever programs do whatever they want. When I'm not going to, shit on those programs for doing that right now because it just is what it is. There's, and Washington doesn't want to do it. But, like, here's what's going on, uh, even with the, you know, has been uh, um, uh, detailed on the on the message boards of Hardcore Husky in the last 72 hours. You've got a situation where the University of Miami has is, is lured a, a basketball player through the portal to them uh, for two years, 800000 so 400 k per year. Simultaneously, uh, the Huskies, the University of Washington, on their Etsy site or whatever, is putting up these uh, dipshit hats for sale for 50 bu- or 100 bucks, I guess, or whatever. They, they looked like they were literally designed on point PowerPoint. Literally, you know, anybody listening to this, if you haven't seen it, you know, go check it out or go to Hardcore Husky and look for that link, and, uh, and they, there's... The pictures are embedded there. You can see these dipshit hats. And then this new, uh, you know, 23-year-old niece of Bill Gates, it's now put in, been put in charge of this part of the program. And, she's, you know, she stresses in her quotes that, uh, you know, the, the money is going to be equally distributed among all the athletes. And so they sell a few of these dipshit hats, and then, you know, the lacrosse players are going to get everybody as much as a star linebacker or quarterback or whatever for the football team. It's, um, it's, it's just not good. It's just it's hopeless. It's, just, it's terrible. And the, the public pressure is going to have to come to bear uh, to remove Jen Cohen as athletic director and, and get somebody in there that's serious and um, – Time is of the essence, and as as Willie was saying, it might be too late already. So, I don't know. We're not painting a very optimistic picture here for our listeners, but we're all about realism. I know that if Eklund was on this podcast, he'd say, I don't care if it's reality or not. Reality Keep that not. crap to yourself. But, <laughs> so. Uh, I wonder if there's a way to find out how many of those hats have been sold or. <laughs> or ordered. Is it, it, it's going mean, to be like this. It's going to be like the CNN Plus of uh, <laughs> NIL deals. Yeah. <laughs> Husky football is the CNN Plus of the Pac-12. There's a. Hold, there's a headline. Hold on, there's, hold on. There's three people pouting right now. 
<laughs> if you listen quietly, if you listen quietly, you can hear them. <laughs> the problem is they should be making hats. Those people who work in that area should be out in the business community finding people who are alums who, you know, are are new people making new money and selling them on Husky football and why it's cool and why it would be something that would be cool to invest in. Uh, taking them, you know, giving them access to stuff. But I'm sure instead they're just sitting there probably grousing about, you know, how the money's not going to be equally distributed at these other schools that are doing it the wrong way and, you know, pre-excusing themselves before they lose. Uh, but, yeah, they should be in there. They should be in Seattle, you know. I know it's not the best market for college football, but, you know, they should be trying to sell why why that would be a cool thing for someone to start putting some money into. But, I mean, it, it's it's just a big loss. We know that. Or we're, we're pinning all our hopes on the bore has to be they just have to be lights out or else the program could easily just fade away into a college baseball program. Uh, and I think we all know that. Well, then Jen Cohen, I, I, I'm comfortable in saying that she flat out lied when they were doing the coaching search and she said that uh, money was not an object or an issue. And then, um, and then we hired DeBoer for $3.2 million a year or whatever it is. Yeah, if that's the case, why didn't they take – you know, that $4 million they were going to give to Campbell and say, we're going to pay players this, split this $4 million up and sign a fucking big class. Why would you not do that? Uh, and they obviously didn't go to the assistant pool. So they, didn't, you know, they basically bought over Fresno State, Scott, not a bunch of Mountain West guys. I mean, yeah, if they were really wanting to compete, they would have been like, fine, we can't, we can't hire a coach. There's not a coach we can, we can pay $7 million that will accept a job. Uh, so let's take 4 million and figure out how to, you know, sign a, a killer fucking class. Uh, right. That's what you would do as a business person or even just a savvy administrative person or take 2 million of it and save the rest. Uh, you know, I, I just, I, it just shocks me. I, maybe, maybe the has to pay them. I, I thought it was really strange. No one talked about it more, but I remember, there was an ATBO documentary about, you know, college basketball, you know, cheating when it was cheating to play players. And they're talking about how Sean Miller was paying a bunch of players, like, out of his own salary. Like, I, I've always wondered now how many of the coaches are actually, especially before NIL, were paying, mm. paying the players themselves. I, I have one suspicion of a coach who is very – talked about being some a great recruiter who, uh, who I – in college football, who I have a sneaking suspicion would have – been doing this, but uh, yeah, I I, I, wouldn't, I wonder if if DeBoer if he can just fucking pay kids. Well, and then one thing that I read the other day that really was disappointing, and it didn't seem to get too much uh, play, but the um, oh, it was Sonics nineteen ninety three with his just detailed recruiting update that he gave everybody on our on our recruiting board. Oh, that was depressing, and he. It was not only depressing, but it was also about how we lost some of these uh, kids, at least in large part, because when DeBoer and company arrived, they didn't reach out to them right away. And then that's yeah. that, that, that's that's shocking and inexcusable. So it seemed like they yeah. got some fire under them and started working really hard. You know, I don't remember now, but maybe two months in or something, two and a half months in. 
but uh, he did not hit the ground running, it sounded like, if you, you base it on that. And, and Sonic's 1993 is very solid with his information. So, Well, the, the, um, the real uh, – another depressing part of that is, is how bad <laughs> Huff is str- – how how bad Huff is struggling. Yes. And it's like, you know, we could see we we could see it coming from last year. And I I was he was basically given a pass, you know, when uh when Pete chose quit and uh Hamden was fired and there was there was rumblings, um I had heard I had heard things that, uh, you know, he just absolutely loathed Hamden and his play calling and, uh, you know, the blocking schemes on some of the plays. And, uh, you know, he was, like, basically given a pass that year. Uh, yeah. That, that seemed to be the purpose of better. that comment. Yeah. And – you know, after what happened last year, I thought I thought for sure. I mean, didn't he seem like the the one for sure guy to be gone? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he's the only one that stayed. Now he's now he's completely struggling in recruiting, and I, I bet here pretty soon Ryan Grubb is going to have to take over for him, uh, recruiting line. So I think you you implied that recently in a post, didn't you? Uh, maybe. Or was that somebody Probably else? Not. No, it must be somebody else. Um, yeah, Grub, Grub is going to have to take over for him um, pretty soon. And probably right after they, they get a quarterback, you know, committed. So... Yeah. Committed to yeah, the team or committed to an institution? <laughs> who is, yeah, who is this quarterback going to be? Both, like, both, like... both one and the same. Is this where we transition to Sam Heward? Go find yeah. – uh, hey, Michael Penix doesn't have to go to Indiana out of high school. Go find Michael Penix. Go find that guy. Just go go to whoever uh whatever kind of mobile athletic quarterback is committed to somewhere and just go recruit that what what's wrong with uh what's his name? Jabari Johnson or whatever? Local kid from Lincoln. You're going way isn't back now, name? right? No, 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 this year. It's a, what it's a, isn't it's a Oh, um, I don't know that name. Uh, it looks like back from Jabari. Gabari, he's from Wilson, I want to say. What Tacoma? Yeah, I think he, I think they're I think he's going to sign, but I also think part Good. of that is that there's not much competition. Good. But uh, I, I I do think I do think they sign him. Now that I think about it, and Good. they should. Yeah, yeah. 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 Gabari Johnson. They should have taken the uh, the kid from uh, what, what school was that that like beat the Georgia school Wood. Uh, they should have taken him last year. Yeah. Josh Wood. Josh Wood, yeah. So so what, he goes to Eastern and uh, beats us in three years or whatever? <laughs> uh, didn't he end up at Fresno State? Or, or did he? <laughs> oh, maybe. 
God, if he if he ended well, up at Fresno yeah, State, he, like he ended up at Fresno guaranteed, State, yeah, yeah. <laughs> guaranteed success story. Now <laughs> <laughs> it ends up with a twelve year NFL career. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. it yeah, in, in a way you're in a way you're settling, but it's like, wouldn't you rather have uh, go sign? Uh, Go sign some guy with some uh some like some raw talent instead of you know, Jake Hayner and Dylan Morris and uh who else have we who else have we had? Daniel Bridgegad. Daniel Bridgegad. Any, any guy named Jack or Jake? <laughs> <laughs> I think they I think they shut down recruiting Justin Herbert if because uh, they locked in Daniel Bridgegad. Yeah, but didn't he go to a camp and and uh, completely look like shit too? You talking about Herbert? Yeah, yeah, but you're talking about a guy who's six six, probably like two ten or something that come out of high school, as opposed to who can move, as opposed to a guy who is just like I don't know what Daniel Bridgett even was. I. His, Arizona his biggest he claim was to, like the Gatorade Player of the Year in Arizona that year, but that's a that's a that's a tangent. I mean, overall, yeah, quarterback. Uh, I like Penix. I, I I have a weird feeling that mm-hmm. this might might work out, and I also yeah, Me too. I've seen like the the videos they've had like they put on social media from practice and stuff like that. He's like seems to be having a good time engaging with like teammates and stuff like that and having a personality and I just feel like they need that from a quarterback. Uh, you know, they can't have Dylan Morris again. Well, and here, here's the thing. And uh, I, I always try to at least defend Dylan Morris a little bit because he, he, he did not look bad the year before. I don't think he's as bad as what he showed last year. I don't think he should be the starter. I think Penix should be the starter. And I've got, I've got a really good feeling about Penix if he can stay healthy, and I've said that repeatedly. The, but I've, I'm, I'm at a point basically where I feel like I've seen and heard enough in regards to Sam Heward. Um, and if it's uh, you know video of Morris going over to Heward during a game on the sideline and, and trying to have an encouraging word and Heward turning his back on him, um, <laughs> or uh, or just seeing Heward out there and not having a feel for what he's doing and it's quite it was quite obvious he's lacking confidence and very uncomfortable out there and then you read the comments about the switch in offense is going back to what he had in high school and things are going to be great now and that's a red flag and then you uh you hear things uh in terms of what's been going on in practice and stuff and then you look at the numbers when like uh somebody posted some stats from you know unofficial stats from the scrimmage the other day um, and he's like three out of nine or something like that. And all these things are just little tiny puzzle pieces, and you start to put them together, and it just shows him hitting the portal and going to Utah State or Northern Iowa or something. I I, I don't see a future here for him. And, and I'm just piecing stuff together and reading tea leaves, and, you know, he might end up throwing for 400 yards against Oregon State this, you know, November, and, and, uh, and then, you know, He's he's the hero or whatever, but I don't see anything five star about him other than he throws a gorgeous spiral downfield. 
Yeah, I'm not. I, I I'm not too high on him right now. So I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of all in on on Michael Penix. Um, yeah, everything you read here, hear about it, um, looking like a looking like a lock to be the starting quarterback this year. So I just wish he'd uh, be named like right now. Just name him right yes. now after spring. If if it's if it's over, it's over. Just just do it right now. And, uh, or at least after I next Saturday. Going, could, yeah, it could, it could actually happen after next week, and then we'll start seeing, you know, start seeing some some transfers. I don't know, what are we looking at, 10 to 15 kids just bailing on the program after next Saturday? <laughs> I don't know. But I think it's important for also from a marketing standpoint that the the public start to have – a chance to identify with some of these kids in terms of who's who are the leaders and who's in a position to do something. And uh, I mean, because they're just they're just dying a slow death over there. I mean, everybody's been posting these emails and letters that they're getting from the UW, which started as like uh, hard deadlines and then hard deadlines with veiled threats, and now it's kind of into the pleading zone. Uh, we're still holding your tickets for you. Please come back. Um, they're hurting over there. Everything, yeah. Everything yeah, they're doing is wrong. Desperation. It's desperate. It's complete desperation. And man, you you just don't want to. You don't want to let people know you're just begging on you know on your knees. Um. Not not a good look. Not a good look. And to the listeners out there, as we you know wind through this podcast, uh, we're going to try to steer it where we have some sort of positive ending. Maybe each of us will take a minute and just say what we're most optimistic about, or something. Um, but because I, I realize we're uh, we're laying out a very dismal, dreary uh, view of the program here, um, but we're calling it like we see it. But. Willie, did you take the cyanide pill, or are you still there? (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. I'm just on mute. I'm just on mute, so you don't get too much background. Uh, He's he's been apprehended by the TSA. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I've been apprehended for problematic, uh, you know, depressing, depressing talk. Yet, no, I'm. uh, Yeah, I'm happy to transition to, you know, wrap, wrapping on, you know, some things positive that we could possibly decide. I don't know what that could be, but I'm, I'm happy to do that. Do we want to take a minute and talk about Ruth Robbins and the her retirement <laughs> and the legacy that she left at realdog.com? I'll let you guys handle that. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I like how I just like how ruthless she'd be at uh, Kim Grenold on Twitter. <laughs> that was always pretty entertaining. Uh, I, I remember they, uh, it, it was like a big deal in uh, uh, oh, 2007 or 2008. Uh, I guess it was a 2008 recruiting class. Um, Softy read over the air that uh, realdog.com is reporting – Jermaine Curse and Cavario Middleton have committed to Washington. You know, 
in the whatever the update was, and and uh, I was like, holy shit, real dog, <laughs> real dog dot com, or you know, we called it Brand X. You know, that was the nickname people <laughs> were giving it on the on the old Dogman boards. Oh, Brand X. Oh, she's claiming she got the news first, and it was like this big deal. Then she'd go and she'd start talking shit about dog. <laughs> Uh, just a, and then, uh, then all, um, all while, uh, being this, uh, this hardcore, you know, God-fearing Christian lady, (laughs) (laughs) calling, calling people fags on Twitter. (laughs) 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 Oh my God, that woman. Uh, God she bless even, you, Ruth. She, <laughs> she even came over to um, to Hardcore Husky, and because people were calling her Roof R O O F, and so she she um, uh, she registered as the real Roof, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's where they uh, that's where she came up with when she was on her way out and said she was leaving, and and she had that line about I've got all the screenshots I need about us. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then so she, she was the one that actually coined that phrase that's used so often these days. So, um, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, we're we're a public domain and we're free. So take all <laughs> we're gonna, Who are you going to turn us into? <laughs> um, I will say two things about Ruth. Um, so on one hand, you know, it's been over 10 years now since I was in the Dogman inner circle, but I can say that um, that everybody at Dogman, uh, I, not myself, but everybody else at Dogman was always very, very obsessed with what she was doing and saying, and so there was constant emailing and texting amongst uh, everyone there, uh, amongst the people running Dogman about Ruth said this, Ruth is trying to say that, Ruth is batshit crazy, Ruth was calling so-and-so at midnight and saying, talk to me, don't talk to Dogman. And um, uh, so that was something that Dogman was very, very obsessed about. And um, and they questioned constantly her, you know, mental stability and all. Um, on the other hand, I will say, like, when my sister passed away in 2015, uh, Ruth wrote me a real uh, fairly long uh, email and just a real nice email um, of condolences and stuff. And so uh, I thought that was Nebraska classy of her. And uh, so I appreciated that. And, um, you know, I'm not somebody that was ever on Real Dog. Um, and I'd post a link to their site maybe once every 18 months or something. So um, so I'll... I'll I always just kind of, like you just said, Brand X, I always just kind of thought of her as Brand X or whatever. But as you guys know, I've never been obsessive about recruiting or whatever, so um, it's not something that was ever uh, an interest of mine to go follow that. But, you know, uh, I wish her good luck, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it is with the, uh, the new people that, that have, she has that are running it now. So any other thoughts well, before had, we move on? She had this thing of, like, um, you know, back before it was like cool of just just be first rather than be right, you know, and <laughs> right. you know you can just kind of either plead ignorance or beg for forgiveness later, you know, one of these deals. So like I think it was uh, I think it was like Ricky Hamuli 
was like a defensive tackle that went to UCLA. I think she published wow. an article. I think she published an article that he had committed to uh he committed to Washington and then uh had to retract it or retracted or something or or just wrote uh, she actually she may have done a retraction article and then basically threw him under the bus, threw him under the bus. <laughs> uh in epic Ruth fashion uh yeah I I I I uh never I never subscribed to her website um cuz uh 995 was enough for me a month to <laughs> you know, do some do some teen teenage football player stalking. Um, As you're talking there, I'm having a flashback to when Neuheisel was coach, and uh, and I would uh, I would always uh, listen to all the pressers and everything, and uh, they would always just say it, Ruth would be calling in from Spokane or, or uh, Liberty Lake or whatever, and it would be always you know, Ruth, Ruth. Do you have a question? Yes, coach. And it would she her voice would chime in over the. Uh, the intercom thing. Um, and then, uh, so I always thought, I always thought that it was just kind of odd. I don't know if odd's the right word, but the level of access that she got, I didn't begrudge her that or whatever, but when you fast forward a few, you know, a decade later or whatever, and, um, and you look at hardcore Husky and in the earlier years and stuff where I said, Hey, you know, I contact the athletic department when we had the front page and I was writing articles and stuff and, uh, Hey, I'd like to talk to Azim Victor. Uh, no, not for the hardcore Husky for Woodenville weekly. You can do that if the player has something to do with Woodenville, but we're not letting any of the players have anything to do with hardcore Husky. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, which is fine. That's their prerogative. And at the same time, um, you know, as as raunchy and as much debauchery as proliferates on our message boards, you know, um, we have some of the, uh, the the highest IQ of football talk that goes on of any of these places as well. So, and uh, and the most passionate so of fans, I think. Sure. So, it is what it is, though. So that ship has already long sailed. So. You got you got any O line thoughts? You, are you talking to me or Wooly? Talking to you. Well, I do think, I have any? I think Wooly duct taped to a to to seat twenty three <laughs> on one of the rides. Well, there was that picture <laughs> where there there's if there's unruly uh, uh, passengers now they are they are duct taping them to seats. Mm-hmm. There's photos. Yeah. Oh, and, oh, is that what you meant? Oh, okay. Yeah, that Sorry was Sorry for being I slow think. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> his uh, I think a service animal like took a shit on one of the on one of the flight attendants or something. Will he do get a service animal? <laughs> are, are they <laughs> is the, the O line ready to rumble? Uh, <laughs> uh, so. Hey, there's three names. There's three names that uh, if you pay close attention to, they either are, like, really trying to work into the starting lineup or, you know, or that they want them to start or or they're really trying to work them in the rotation. 
so that they don't transfer. So it looks like, uh, you know, Fautanu is going to start somewhere. Um, but Mateo Mele and Roger Rosengarten. So mm-hmm. those two guys, um, those two guys, I, I suppose it depends on what happens with Jackson Kirkland, which I stand by my statement that if we gave a shit about football, he'd be reinstated, you know, no, no fucking problem. Like a long time ago, mm-hmm. you know, if it were, yeah, if it were <laughs> Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, like he, he, he'd be allowed to be drafted next Thursday and not like the team he goes to and be allowed to come back. <laughs> I'm, I'm, convinced, I'm convinced of it. But, you know, um, yeah, so those three names, I think, uh, they, they keep showing up um, on working in the rotation and working out um, working out at different positions. Well, not really different positions because uh, Rosengarten's uh, just been at, te- you know, both tackle spots, but Fauton has been moved into left guard and uh, worked out some left tackle. No, he's, so he's, yeah, left tackle, I think, right? Yeah, and I wonder if he's working out at left tackle just in case, like, uh, you know, Kirkland can't come back. Um, maybe it's not working out for, uh, um, you know, like Rosengarten or, you know, somebody else who's playing uh, left tackle. You know, it's not working out. They just moved Fautanu back at left tackle. So, yeah, I wonder uh, – now I wonder if, like, going into this spring, like, if Fautanu is, like, the best lineman on the team right now. Because um, he's working out at, at both – you know, he's working out at arguably the number one spot if you he, if he had a right-handed quarterback. But, you know, I think we're likely going to have a left-handed quarterback uh, so that makes the right tackle position a little more important. So then, you know, whatever yeah, they melee? do, right tackle. Yeah, I mean, they've been they've been having melee working there and uh, some center, but I mean, it looks like mostly Luciano, which or Luciano or whatever it is. I guess Luciano but, uh, makes it sound like he's he's a uh, half Samoan, half Italian. So it's got to be the Luciano, Godfather. right? <laughs> yeah, Luciano, the Godfather. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it, I, you know, uh, Kern, Kern's been doing right guard. Kind of, kind of done with Victor Kern. Last year wasn't. Uh, Last year wasn't that that great out there at right tackle. So, well, maybe he's better off at guard. But then you leave a guy like Henry Bainabalu, you know, where's he going to end up? So there's going to be – that's why those three those three guys, it's kind of intriguing what, what they're doing because somebody's going to transfer out of those, you know, eight or nine guys. Somebody's going to be out. Um be interesting where they end up too. Yeah. Um and are you buying any of the uh Asa Turner hype? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> no, shout out to whoever said Asa Turner Overdrive. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That was really had good. A lot of fun, had a lot of fun with that, you know. <laughs> I have about two literal, you know, LOLs a day on average, probably when I'm going through all the posts trying to, you know, remove all the porn and everything. <laughs> uh, and uh, that was that was one that made me burst out laughing. I thought that was very good. Yeah, that was funny. Um, no, I'm not buying. I'm not buying his hype. He's probably. Uh, he, Wooly Duke said the same thing about possible transfer. You know, when he and I were texting a couple weeks ago, or week or two weeks ago, or something. You know, he's he's like uh, they're just pumping him up so he doesn't leave the program. But it's like. Let him fucking leave. You know, it's a play somebody else it, there. It does seem kind of oddly coordinated, all the hype, doesn't it? Inauthentic. Uh, half, uh, some of some. I mean, there's, there's names. There's names. We go. We go over. Willie Duke and I go over names like every single spring or fall. There's there's some name that, that just keeps popping up and popping up and popping up or whatever. And we're like, well, here's the guy that uh, gets pumped up all off season and then does jack shit during the year, you know, like the, it's a proverbial Jordan Polk award or whatever. The, the <laughs> Cody Bruns, the Cody Bruns award, uh, something like that, you know, just, these guys you can't stop hearing about. Who was the kid, uh, Trey Lowe? God, we heard about Trey Lowe for a couple seasons, and then he, you know, he transferred out. Refresh my memory. Uh, what what position was he? He was like running back, receiver. He was the Chico role, basically. <laughs> going to take over the the Chico <laughs> role or whatever. Will you know, we still be saying we, that we, 10 years from now, the Chico roll? Prob- probably. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny, like, like I'm guilty of it too, but we'll, we'll shit on Chico, and, and but it's like you, you put him next to those three names, it's like Chico was productive. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, he was always fresh, good for one reverse year, for 13 yards a game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at his stats his freshman year, and he wasn't like a featured player, but you know, he had, he had some receptions and some some carries and stuff, and you're like, oh, okay, Absolutely. we got a guy that we got a we got a good depth player or whatever. That, you remember that one year though? Every time he would come onto the field, you'd be like, oh, okay, we're gonna run a reverse with Chico. You remember? Yeah, that was probably like the second or third year. Yeah, it was like I think it was yeah. the second year. And then and then he'd come yeah. off and you go, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, Will, Trey are you Lowe there? Was, are you... Uh, Trey Lowe was like, or was it, wait, was it Keenan Lowe? Or no, that was his brother. His brother went to Oregon and uh, uh, he came to Washington and he was uh, like a running back receiver, you know, five, six, five, seven. Oh, he he texted us. He said uh, 4:21. He says I uh, got to jump to get on my flight. So. 
the D.B. Cooper of Skagit Valley has taken flight. <laughs> <laughs> or or your your first thing was correct, and they've duct taped him to the <laughs> to the chair, and he doesn't <laughs> want to admit it. <laughs> they've duct taped him. Yeah, I, I'll yeah. just. Well, that, now's not the time for me to launch into stories about uh, TSA or whatever, but um, I had one stretch there where uh, they went through my, pulled me out of line and went through my bag and swabbed my bag and everything like, I think it was four times out of five that I was flying and went through a real strange stretch there. So Mike uh, DeMond thought yeah. it had something to do with Mike DeMond thought it had to do with my Willingham book, but <laughs> he thought I was on a list or something. <laughs> wow. Yeah, like, uh, Willie Duke, Duke's dad has to get wanded all the time because uh, he's got a steel hip. Probably revealing too much information, but, yeah. But, I mean, you yeah, know, me, so. I'm like, I don't, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, and then it's like they would, you know, we need to empty your bag, and then they're swabbing the inside of my bag and running it through the x-ray machine by itself with nothing in it. and Like I've got secret, you know, uh, compartments or something. And, <clears throat> and uh, I mean, it's, it's, an airport, it's a, especially the SeaTac airport, notoriously the Satan's asshole of, like, planet Earth. My issue was, uh, I had big issues at Sky Harbor. Where's Sky Harbor at? Oh, in Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix. Repeatedly. I've I, never I, been to I, that. I, I, I only went I to like the airport. there to go to Mexico. Uh, it, like, I remember one distinctly, they were like, uh, sir, you know, they pulled me out of line, and they took my bag, and they put it over on this other thing, and they said, stand there, and someone will be with you in a minute, and then... uh so I started to walk toward uh, around the thing, and uh, um, and the guy starts, he's probably 15 feet away from me, just starts screaming at me at the top of his lungs. And, and, and as I look over, and I'm stunned, like, what is going on here? I'm not doing anything wrong. And then behind him in the background, there was a big giant sign on the wall that said, Welcome to Sky Harbor, America's friendliest airport. <laughs> and uh, I was just, just was like, wow, okay. All righty. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't hold it back. They've uh, they've obviously got some some traumatic issues from their childhood or something. They're they're, they're dealing with and uh, letting it out on everyday public. Uh, I think it was when I flew out to go to the Stanford game in 2017. Uh, I was. I was in SeaTac, and on the way down there, but the uh, the I think it was the Special Olympics had just gotten had just completed, but they actually held it in Husky Stadium, and like they were all flying home, and you had these women, uh, these TSA agents screaming at the top of their lungs, you know, like shuffling these people on where to go and yelling at them. And they were basically saying, like, we're not, un we're not sure how hard it is to follow our directions. And keep in mind what I just said, Special Olympics. 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's one of the most uncomfortable offending things I've ever been a part of. You know, <laughs> talking down to to a lot of these people, it, it was it was pretty bad, and they were both up up on like tables, like yelling at them. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, pretty bad. And that was at SeaTac, you say? That was, oh, of course it was at SeaTac. Where else would it be at? Well, because we're talking that about fucking, different airports. And... Yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I tried to tie um, that into Husky football, but. Well, no, and I'm the one that took us off into the weeds there with my Sky Harbor story. Because <laughs> it is true. I, I'm pretty sure I was flying out to uh, – it was either the Stanford game in 2017 or the one in 2019. So, yeah. So does this count as, like, uh, uh, traveling hot talk or traveling slow cooker talk? <laughs> <laughs> it's a <laughs> – if it's some opinion I have, it's slow cooker because uh, I won't be right for about I won't be right for about five or ten years. It'll. <laughs> well, when I was putting together the theme song, which debuts with this episode, but you haven't heard it yet, and I was looking for an audio clip, and I found one you 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 boasting about how you don't offer hot takes, you offer slow cooker takes. <laughs> and I almost I almost put that in there, but I did. So, <laughs> um, and then finding uh, well, you'll you'll hear it soon enough. So, and the listeners have already heard it because the uh, and they've stuck with us. This is probably the most dreary episode we've ever had, just in terms of the lack of optimism of what we're discussing. But, um, well, I guess as we start to head down the stretch of the show, is is there anything positive we could talk about? Well, we'll I'll try to timestamp this for our listeners. <laughs> Do you want to fast forward uh, yeah. to any glimmers of hope? Yeah, yeah, the the alleged SEC like uh program that, you know, down in Eugene uh had a nice dose of humble pie with, you know, like a uh fourth capacity crowd or not even that for, you know, whatever they were doing yesterday. So, you know, even our Is that what we're hanging our hat on? I just it's it's just laughable. Our our alleged flagship stations even saying, "Oh, well, Oregon can draw fans to a spring game," and it's like, "Well, fuck you! Look at their look at their uh, crowd they had yesterday." The fucking flagship station. Yeah, I guess I, that wasn't. Positive, you mean the flagship look, program? Look, you be mean. positive. Uh, yeah, be positive, Michael Pennick. Be positive. I, we may we may have. Uh, hit on something with him. Well, he started so, slow here. I'm I'm looking at the Mike Varell article that I posted in. Uh, oh, I posted it on the main board. Um, but he uh, started slow, but went eight of sixteen for 116 yards, a pair of TDs to to Giles Jackson. And um, yeah, it seems like they're trying to get Jackson in, involved, certainly more than last year. Um, Alex Cook, I'm high on him. Uh, McMillan, I yeah. think, is going to show some good things this year at wide receiver. O'Dunn's has shown that he can do some things. 
Polk we never really got a chance to see last year. No, the the but the times we did see him, he looked fucking good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had, had a long game. TV late in the year, right? I think it was Colorado. He had like three or four catches for like a hundred and something yards. It might have been Colorado. I think it was Colorado. But, the, but I remember the very first play. I don't even think it was from scrimmage. I think it was on the kickoff return against Montana, and he like broke his collarbone or whatever it was. No, he had emergency surgery, and it had to do with his lungs, right? Yeah, it was something really like freaky like that. First play, it was either the first play from scrimmage or the or the opening kickoff, and then he was. They thought he was done for the year, and then, like yeah. you said, you think it was the Colorado game late, and you know it was in November, and he comes back, and uh, <clears throat> and I just remember one play down the right sideline that went for like sixty yards or something, and it was like, well, look at that. Yeah, we should have known he'd be a good player once he was out the first. <laughs> First place. Is this where we're going to have like... the Joey all injury team? Or... <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The Mount Rushmore of injured Huskies that could have been something special? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, we never did yeah. get the finished thing between, with you and Wooly in regards to, to Joey Dangerously. Uh, Joey Dangerously's um, Mount Rushmore of hate or whatever. Mount Rushmore of hate of of players what, on our team or or just all time. What was that? Well, I remember Wooly was said that Jack Jake Jack Locker, that Jake Locker was on the uh, was on your Ru- oh, Mount Rushmore Mount of Rushmore of, uh, of of like Mount Rushmore of Husky. Tanks. You don't hate Jake, I but think a, I think it was it was Husky takes or something by Husky takes. I can't remember what. It was. <laughs> That he's but we didn't locker was like locker was like ten years ahead of head of the curve, yeah <laughs> on everything <laughs> on everything he'd be he'd be like you know yeah, he'd be like incredible nowadays, but yeah, uh, well, how would he be incredible? I don't see that. I think he'd be he'd be putting the, these uh, these offenses now are are uh, I don't know they're not designed. Remember they were trying to make him run a uh, pro style offense, which was basically like you know fitting a square peg in a round hole. You know he'd be putting like some sort of spread uh, spread offense. To where he could succeed a lot better with his, uh, what with his exact- mobility and I mean, what exactly was Lapano? What were we running with Lapano? I never really understood that. I I don't know. It his offense was. Um, God, were we running out of shotgun at all when? Yeah, oh, yeah. When Jake – yeah, we were running out of shotgun. I'm trying to picture but his it, offense because it, it was only like one year basically and then, oh, wait, he got hurt. He got hurt in the uh, fourth game. I think it was against Stanford when he broke his thumb. Yeah, he broke his thumb. Um, so he had a year and a half basically or a year and a third with Lopano. They were sort but of we, a spread – they were a spread offense, but uh, I think it was kind of uh, – they weren't really doing that read option yet. 
Oregon was like the first team to really start doing it like every fucking play. Um, cause Rich Rod was already doing that kind of stuff. Um, but our thing, uh, I'll borrow a, I'll borrow a, a race Bannon term. He, we said we played rat ball and it was kind of like Jake would drop back and the play would kind of disintegrate or the receiver would go the wrong way or whatever. And then Jake would just yeah. take off. Yeah. And you yeah, can I say mean, that Jake. You, you look Go at ahead. nowadays; it's all it's all like uh, read option uh, smoke screens, read option. You know, like pass it out to the flat to a running back, and then uh, you know read option seam route to a tight end. You know, he'd be he'd be good yeah. in those kind of offenses. Um, he'd have been a good running back. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I I uh can you imagine if 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 we had a you know a decent quarterback and he he could have played safety or running back. Um Yeah. Would have been a lot of blonde, use of his talent. Bananas and blondes is saying, you know, tell your creepiest Kim Grinnell story and and, and I do have a couple of creepiest but I'm not going to tell them. Um but, um, you know, I mean, look, the last decade or so, or even beyond that, but the last decade or so, Kim's acted like a, a, a real arrogant jerk in a lot of ways. Um, but at the same time, I will publicly say, as a quick aside, like when my first two books came out, uh, Kim Kim worked hard to help utilize the Dogman platform and, and to help me in terms of publicizing those and stuff. So I'll always appreciate that. Um so I'll say that, and out of respect for that, I'm not going to tell my Kim Grinnell's creepy stories, but I do have a couple. Um, but, um, oh, I forgot I my other point. Off the air. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to tell a, I was going to tell a Kim Grinnell story, though, that wasn't creepy, and then it just went out of my brain now. Um, Something about your Well, book? that's not a, no, 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 no. I was just trying to give Kim some oh. public credit there. So it's like, he's, He's been a jerk, and, you know, we all know, anybody that's been around our site knows, <clears throat> you know, where he accused me of trying to, like, mastermind this whole thing where one or more people were sending, uh, uh, you know, old man gay porn pictures to dogman people or something, and he had the vice president of the Fox whatever call me to try to crack down on it or whatever. And was like, I had nothing to do with that. And I would, I would never do that. You know, uh, anybody that knows me, anybody that knows me knows I would not do that. So. No, old, um, old woman, old woman, gay porn, maybe old man, gay porn. Totally no. different story there. <laughs> totally different. <story. laughs> Apples and oranges, everybody. <laughs> uh, nope. uh, uh, I'll just, I'll just say, uh, never met him, don't know him, uh, so just, you know, not a, I, I'm just not a fan of what he does to people that, people that pay for his site and keep the lights on for him. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't agree with that kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to, until I meet somebody, I'm just not going to put it out of, um, Put it out of possibility that you know I can't hang out and have a good time with somebody. So, 
Um, oh, you know. Yeah, just 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 not a fan of how they run the site, run their website Correct. anymore. I, I don't, you know, paid paid subscribers, and they shouldn't be talked down to like little children. But that doesn't mean uh, I can't somehow get along with somebody, you know. Right. That makes oh, me I mean, sound like were... a sellout. Then, then you guys can no. fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> No, if you go back far enough in time, uh, there were many times where uh, I was hanging out a bit with uh, Cam, and as he would refer to it as uh, quality bullshit and just, uh, you know, shooting the shit, talking football or whatever. Um, but it was like, you know, uh, I remember uh, who's the one guy, Cheers West Dog, who doesn't come around much anymore, but um, uh, he uh, he always loved the story that I'm about ready to tell, but I was... I was talking with Kim, and so this must have been the 2010 season when we were still on, things were falling apart, but we were still on, you know, decent speaking terms and stuff. We were talking football, and he was talking about uh, Nick Montana, and then I was saying, well, I really, I think I like more out of what I'm seeing with uh, Keith Price, and then Kim launches into this, uh, look, I talk to the coaches. You don't talk to the coaches. And, you know, Keith Price is never going to start and all this stuff. And then Montana, Nick Montana, Joe Montana's kid, he's going to be the guy or whatever. And then, and then of course, it was Keith Price that started. So, and Montana yeah. wasn't very good. So, I think uh, I think a lot of people just had their own their own narrative, and uh, you know they were pushing it just based on the last name. You know, it's like they had this, you know this vibe and, you know, it was the last name and people just wanted it. People were just wishing it to happen. And that All was we one needed of those... was Dwight Clark's kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah we you know the reference? Okay. We had, yeah, if we, had, if we had Tim Rathman's son at fullback, too. I mean, it would have been... Or Tom, Tom, Tom Rathman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I hey, I remember, um, I remember like the Husky Honks were, they took a bus to the 2016 Oregon game, I think. Um, and I think Kim, I think Kim was on that bus, and he was talking about the, um, the story of them driving the bus down to the game or something. And I thought, you know, I, I thought, I don't care who was on that bus, that would have been a fun trip to be on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he, so, yeah, I, I'm not, yeah. Like I said, don't know him personally, but, um, you know, not going to, yeah. Well, if it wasn't his, for his... Disagree with his business philosophy, basically, so. Well, if, if it wasn't for him censoring my articles and uh, then, the you know, and then him doing his purges and everything, there'd be no hardcore husky, so. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, to, you know, a good thing came out of a negative. <laughs> and here we are. The, this this fall, we'll be celebrating the tenth anniversary. So, um, <laughs> kind of hard to believe. What's, um, what's the celebration? What What are we going to do? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you off the air. I don't want to announce it publicly yet, but it got some. Uh, I, to me, it's funny and. Uh, and you know, talking with like uh, you know uh, Sway and Bays and stuff, uh, Yella, um, 
they know it's coming down the pike and it's kind of funny, but, uh, um, and I'll let you know when, uh, I'll text you when we're done here, but, um, but anyways, it'll be, uh, it'll be announced soon enough, a little later this year. And, uh, um, so in Sonny Shackelford wanted us to do a Ruth Robbins tribute pod. We did talk about her a bit. Yeah, we did enough. Uh, um, let's see here. Is there anything else? Lone Star Dog says I need to talk about Majid Nawaz. Uh, but that's because I accidentally posted this thread in <laughs> the Blue Oyster instead of on the main board. Um, introduce, uh, we didn't want him anyway, player of the month is what Denark wants. Connerly would be a good one to start with, and there will always be plenty of fresh material. Who is our we didn't want him anyway, player of the month? <laughs> Well, I guess I guess this month it would have to be Connerly. So, and since the spring preview is April thirtieth, so next month uh, when we do a pod, uh, we'll what? It'll be half the team when they transfer out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I'll actually, actually, I don't think. <laughs> Sam Actually, Willie Duke, Willie Duke leaving the pod, we we didn't want him to <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> he's probably he's probably about halfway across what uh, Montana right now, duct taped to a chair in the back of the plane. <laughs> His service animal uh, nervously twitching in a in a holding box in, in the bottom undercarriage of the plane. He yeah. <laughs> he he knows he knows the drill the you know the you never want to be the first person to leave the party cuz that's the first person that gets shit talked out of <laughs> shit talked about. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not, see here the knowledge something, not something guys yeah particularly dread but you know like you, you talk to my wife my wife always brings that up. Well, I didn't want to be the first to leave the party because they'll start talking shit about me. <laughs> the knowledge said I was considered a hero a couple years back, baked groceries with courage. Now, not so much. Give a poor, broken grocer a shout-out. A shout-out to the knowledge. All right. <laughs> uh, Grundle Stiltskin says if Swain's wigworm is gone, so am I. Don't worry, it's going to be at the end of this podcast. It's only the opening right. theme that has been changed. Uh, Duger McFarlane wanted us to talk about extensive commentary on the future of Real Dog. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, the the girl who's running it now. What? Hold on, I got to look at her name. Kayla Olin, I think is. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, I know, maybe. I thought it was. No, uh, maybe not. Or maybe it's somebody else. I thought she was. Thought wasn't she there was a Daniel something? something? Yeah, maybe. Um, or no. No, she's a host of Dog Bots, uh, college football analyst, marketing director of the Dog Bother com- document. Oh. She's well, very I don't know. cute. She's. Uh, she's She's pretty hot, and she followed me on Twitter, so that's exciting. Oh. Yeah, she's not going to get much from me on Twitter, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, Joey Dangerously, uh, he, uh, speaking about you in the third person here, uh, you, uh, you dox the knowledge by saying, Siler? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, yeah, the, uh, the last I'd heard of Siler, he was working at Walmart, I think. <laughs> like a bottle Walmart and, or something like that. I can't remember. Is there a Walmart in Bothell? I, I just no. threw out a name. I couldn't remember. The oh. Mill Creek, Mill Creek Walmart. I he think got, there's one in Linwood, got, right? Oh, there is one in Mill Creek, yeah. He got docked, he got docked by no, Softy on the air. Softy said, like, I was in the Walmart the other day. That's a Siren Miles. Like, hey, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for hopping on. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for hopping on, pal. <laughs> thanks for banging him up, pal. I never under—I still don't understand why you listen to him, but it's your business, it's your life. I, I, I get—I I haven't I listened gotta, to him in years. I, I gotta follow, uh, you know, Husky stuff when he's talking Husky football. But when he was talking about Siler, that was right after the 2014 season, I think. Yeah. No, I—I re- I vaguely remember that because it was on our boards. And, uh, like, a thread got started about it. Um, okay, and then we'll uh, we'll conclude here. There's two more comments that are kind of uh, linked here. Uh, Go Dogs ST uh, wanted us to talk about concerns about the offensive philosophy being effective when the weather was like it was against Oregon, ASU, and WSU last year, i.e. inclement weather. Um, my whole thing is that I think if you're well coached and you're disciplined and your execution is good, you can run just about anything in any weather. And if you know, look no further to like Texas Tech on the Panhandle there when the wind is really crazy, and they can still throw the ball effectively when they're being coached well. Um, you know, when you have epic downpours like that ASU game from a few years ago, where we had that one quarterback that transferred to Utah and he only had the one start, and it was in a horrible monsoon. Troy something. Troy Williams, right? Troy Williams, yeah. Yeah. We don't have those. You know, we get a lot of rain up here, but usually it's a very manageable, mild rain. So I I think if if they're – you might have a different opinion. I don't know. But I think if if you have good coaching, that will overcome a lot of that. No, it's – Don James once said, good execution outranks good play calling. Yes. Yeah. It, but, you know, a competent coaching staff, you know, and, and some confident players, I don't think it matters what the, what the weather is, you know, because that game was uh, – that game you're referring to, uh, I was at that game, and it was pretty – it was pretty – it wasn't, uh, wasn't as much rain. It was uh, wind, if I remember right. Mm-mm-mm. It was incredible wind. Uh, it was uh, Troy Williams versus Taylor Kelly. I mean, <laughs> Taylor Kelly was like a you know above average college quarterback. Um, the 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 right amount of poison to beat to beat the Huskies, you know, scramble enough, make enough decent throws, always poison the Husky Husky football teams, but. You know, he he was just a confident quarterback. You know, it wasn't he wasn't 
great. He wasn't a Heisman winner or anything. It was just he was just a competent, you know, confident quarterback. And Troy they had Williams no business wasn't. beating Washington though in those circumstances. And uh, you know, we've had some maddening losses to ASU in the last ten years, so twelve years. Oh yeah, yeah. We had the one down there. Uh, we don't need to rehash all this. It's been negative enough. But three or four years ago, was it was it the 2016 season? Did we lose down there? We lost to SC that year. Did we also lose to ASU? No, we lost to Alabama. Since 2017, and we went down there, and we just we had like 140 yards of offense or something, and just completely shit the bed and scored like six points or something. Couldn't uh, couldn't. Couldn't make a field goal or an extra point. Remember that? I, I, I've kind of blocked it kind of out now. I just remember immense frustration. It was just, like, very inept in a game we never should have lost, and yet we lost it. Yeah. Well, they uh, – it's like they had the bench Vizcano because Vizcano uh, missed a wow. field goal and, and, like, an extra point. And then they put in um, – Van Soderberg, and he like he looked like my eight year old son kicking a PAT. So then they benched him again. Then they benched him again, and I think they, uh, I think they didn't try. Uh, they didn't try another PAT or field goal after that. Uh, it, it was pretty pathetic. So well, I guess we as good a place as any to wrap up. Uh, any any final thoughts? No. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange news. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level, level of cyber peyote. peyote, come join Swain's Wigwam. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam <laughs> at Navajo Nation's Gift to College Football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to redo that one, but...